Hello and welcome back to episode 36 of the Creative Ride of Motorcycle Podcast. I'm your host, Gilko Belenkowitz, Shabla Wog, Mighty Joe Clunky, Peter McGillicuddy, Steve Braxton. And what I'm here to tell you this week is welcome back to episode 36, the new and improved show. Anything's an improvement over last week's show, and I apologize for that. Boomer, let me record in my sleep again. I wonder if I went out sleep prosing again. Wouldn't be the first time. At any rate, apologies for last episode. And uh, let's start off this episode in a much, much, much more positive way. Let's give a big shout out to our friends of the show that we haven't heard from in person, but that have been doing some really cool shit in the motorcycle sphere. First, big shout out to Mark DeGalli. Mark was on episode 18 of the show. He's been on fire lately, been traveling all over, creating new art. He's been on this tear as of late. Check him out on Facebook. If you're in the area, uh, book a tattoo with the guy or, or have him, you know, see if he can do some custom art for you. He's not really doing that that much these days, but he has been lately. That's what I'm saying. This guy has just been making the rounds recently and doing some really creative shit, both motorcycle related and art related. Dailybikers.com. Dan has been working on a new bike illustration or two. If you keep up with him on Google Plus or Twitter and all the all the good places that you can catch Daily Bikers on his on his blog and whatnot, he's got the Harley XR1200, and I believe I just saw a a vintage. Oh no, a, a BMW sketch that he put up, and that thing is fabulous. He's getting a little discouraged on the XR1200, and that's like one of the only Harleys I like. So do me a favor. Go over there, check it out, and tell Danny's doing a good job so he doesn't give up. Now, that BMW that he's working on, that thing in and of itself, just the black and white sketch of it, oh, it's to die for. So, you know, he showed me the XR1200 during our interview, and... It was barely more than a black and white sketch with a few colored pieces, then a few colored in panels, and it's just looking more brilliant and more brilliant as as the days go on, and he keeps tossing up little snippets here and there. Oh, it's so beautiful. So he needs some encouragement, guys. Now, it's coming along great, but also check out uh, Google+, Plus Daily Bikers, check out his blog. He dropped some threads on Shopify, but if you missed it, you missed your chance. So if you didn't grab one already, then it's too late. So here's my thing with anybody, anybody Anybody that you love, any company that you love, anybody that you're trying to support, get it while it's hot because it ain't going to be around forever. And sometimes, you know, the cost, the return on your investment is not as good as, you know, the cost of what it's to keep it out there for people to peruse and enjoy. So sometimes people have to let stuff go. And in this case, Dan had a few pretty sweet shirts up there and uh, they're already gone. So, if you missed out, don't despair. He's still got his prints, cards, notebooks. Now he's got digital downloads from the Daily Bikers Etsy shop. So go to Etsy and type in Daily Bikers. That's all one word. And you'll, you know his shop will appear and you can see all the cool stuff that he's got up there. That includes his little coloring books. But now he's got individual digital downloads that you can purchase and download right to your computer. You don't have to wait for post. And trust me, it doesn't take that long from Australia. He's got it down. It's not his first time to the shipping rodeo. However, I thought the digital downloads is a brilliant idea because you can just download it right there, keep it black and white, color it in, send it off to someone, whatever you want. It's just such a cool idea. So 
That's that's it from Dan. Um, Goodbye Migraine. They were dropping knowledge bombs left and right. Uh, tips for conquering your brain pain. And I have to say that, you know, uh, being National Migraine Month, a uh, month or two ago, June or July, shoot, I forget, just every day there was a new tip on how to mitigate your, a little bit of your pain and, and uh, suffering that you obviously accompanies a migraine. So head on over to goodbyemigraine.org. Give Josette a look up, follow her advice, or contact her for tips and other you know coaching ideas that you can get to help alleviate some of that brain pain. Speaking of Josette, something else that she is involved in, Johnny J and the Flatfoot Flugees. They've been playing a ton of summer festivals, including, including the Vintage Swing Fest, the Swamp Stomp, and the Hot Summer Nights Festival at the Arborcrest Winery in Spokane. Check out their website, johnnyjswing.com, for details, articles, performance schedules, and music daddy-o. So they've really been uh, hitting the scene this summer. They've been posting up some pretty cool vintage motorbike stuff, too. So check it out. The last thing I want to mention is the Veterans Charity Ride to Sturgis is teaming up with Mark Wahlberg, an Indian motorcycle company, to provide 20 wounded veterans a ride to Sturgis this year. This thing started last year with, uh, you know, I'm going to let you go to their website and read the story. You don't want to hear it secondhand, trust me. But basically, they're giving pretty much double the number of vets a chance to ride that they did last year. So the Veterans Charity Ride helps vets across the country with the healing process that comes with life after service. Vets get road therapy and a chance to participate in a nine-day ride from L.A. to Sturgis, as well as a chance to talk about their experiences on the battlefield and bond with fellow vets, bikers, and supporters. And according to the Vintage Charity Ride's Facebook page, 22 veterans a day commit suicide, and many more are returning home with PTSD, severe bodily trauma, injuries, amputations, etc., etc. So if you'd like to help out with their cause, uh, you can visit the veteranscharityride.org for more details. On the site, you can find out where to donate, where you can find veteran resources, or just learn about the founders and how the ride started. It's a beautiful story. They're launching from the fire station in Silmar this Saturday. So if you're in the area and you want to go out and thank a vet and see some really bitching motorcycles and wish them off, wish them well on their way, uh, they're going to be down there. It's going to be pretty early. So check the website for details. Check out their Facebook page. All the info is there. Alrighty, thank you. Let's get into the show. Alright, on tonight's show, we got a little bit of history for you. I also got uh, some news. A little bit of BS. And definitely no nonsense. So hey man, sorry about last week's episode, I literally was a sentient bag of cocaine doing some Mountain Dew chasers, and in all honesty, you know, all kidding aside, I don't do coke or Mountain Dew, I mean, Mountain Dew will kill you, you know what I'm saying, that shit is terrible for you, I stick strictly to PCP. Nineteen seventy one. The Aswan High Dam opens January 15th. The Silmar earthquake in Southern California. Even modern dwellings and structures sustain some serious damage. 
Evo Knievel sets a new world record and jumps 19 cars in the Ontario Motor Speedway, which is no longer there. The Weather Underground detonates a bomb in the men's room of the U.S. Capitol building. Apparently there's only one men's room. The Manson family is found guilty and sentenced in uh, Southern California as well. The Montreux Casino burns down on December 4th during a Zappa concert in Deep Purple writes, Smoke on the Water. That same year, the first email was sent via the internet, which was known as ARPANET at the time. Earth Day started February 26th, and uh, little Johnny was born. Born in February of 1971, little Johnny was a mild-mannered kid, from what I've come to understand, and he grew into an equally mild-mannered warrior. To understand little Johnny's story, first we have to travel back in time a little bit and understand what made it possible. I'm going to fire up our time machine so we can go back to the final decades of the 1880s. Of the 1800s. In the last couple decades of the 1800s, the automobiles began to gain popularity, especially with the development of the gasoline combustion engine. As with all things, it didn't take very long for people to showcase the capabilities of their newfangled machines uh, by introducing a little bit of friendly competition. As with most automotive sports, those asshole Europeans were usually the first to the line with organized town-to-town races. The races were sanctioned by the auto clubs and the organizations and associations that formed shortly right after the automobile made its appearance. There was usually a class for motorcycles in these races, which included trikes and other cycles like the Daimler Reit Wagon and the Hildebrand and Wolfmuller Motorrad that were available at the time. But the Dion de Bouton, no, the De Dion Bouton workshop, they developed a successful steam trike in 1887. But in 1889, they saw the Daimler engines at the Paris Expo, and six years later, they had a gasoline-powered four-stroke engine ready for production. The De Dion Bouton trike was the dominant vehicle until 1897, when motorcycles like the Werner started to uh, advance in their capabilities. It's probably pronounced Werner, actually. Werner! Zavanna! It wanted you to show you its papers. So... The FIM was founded in 1904 in Paris and began sanctioning races all across Europe. And in America, Indian motorcycles, established by George Hendy in 1901, waited three years for Harley to join the party in 1903, at which point the Federation of American Motorcyclists was created and they began to sanction events in the States until the organization changed its name in 1924 to the AMA. You ever heard of them? A decade later in the UK, off-road trials were gaining popularity and for good reason, and they quickly transformed into scrambles or motocross as it was more widely known across Europe. So motocross trials and scrambles all grew in popularity and participation all throughout Europe until 1966. And that's the year when Swedish champ Torsten Hallman brought it to the US of A, baby. In 1967, the Baja 1000 took the Southwest by storm, and in 1969, the first Baja 500 was run. And by the 1970s, people began doing motocross in stadiums, and the first Supercross, as they called it, was held in the L.A. Coliseum here in 1972. I think this is a pretty appropriate time to jump back into our story, since little Johnny, as I mentioned, was born in 1971. So little Johnny 
began racing motocross in 1985. He turned expert in 1987. And in 1987, he decided to try racing as a career. He decided to quickly put everything that he had into it and take it seriously. He quickly became disenchanted with motocross once he started racing in GPs. And after four years of motocross and GP racing, Johnny turned into a desert racer. As the 80s waned and the new era of the 90s began, 91 was the year that he dove headfirst into Baja. Just like the De Dion trike in the 1800s switched from steam over to gasoline to reap its advantages, little Johnny in 1993 switched from two strokes to four strokes. And in 1994, he was awarded a contract with Honda and he also met his lifelong friend, Bruce Ogilvie. Bruce, who was a brilliant racer and desert legend in his own right, would be his mechanic and mentor until 2008 when little Johnny started Johnny Campbell Racing. Sadly, one year later, the racing community and Johnny lost Bruce. He passed away roughly one year after he struck out on his own to form JCR. Now, if you visit Johnny's home homepage on the web, or you visit the Honda Power Sports page, which is Honda's corporate, you know, motorcycle and power sports site, they basically jive out to be roughly the same. But here's here's are some career highlights where he came in first overall. This is this does not his, include his illustrious career as a podium placer in almost every single race he was ever in. These are just firsts. So, 1992, the HDRA Nevada 500. And the Rosarito Beach Grand Prix, 1995, wins the Nevada Rally. 1998, the Silver State 300. 2000, wins the Nevada 200, the Tonopah 300, and the Adelanto Grand Prix. In 2001, he finished 8th overall and was the first privateer in the Paris to Dakar Rally. In 2003, he won the Laughlin U.S. Hair Scrambles. And in 2004, he took Henderson's Terrible 300. In 2005, he won the Terrible 400, the Nevada 1000, and the Parker 250. He's also came in first in the 24 Hours of Glen Helen in 1999 and 2006. He won Terrible Town 250 from 2001 to 2003 and again in 2005. Took a little break off in 2004. Why is that? Oh, that's just to win the Vegas to Reno run. He won that in 2001, 2004, and 5. Took a break in 2006 and won it in 2007. He took the San Felipe 250 first overall in 1998, 99, and 2000, took a little break for 2001, and then won it again in 2002, 3, 4, took a few years off and won it again in 2008. He won the Baja 500 from 1997 to 98, 2002, 3, and 4. He won the Baja 1000 from 1997 straight through to 2005. He took 2006 off, guys, because he's getting a little tired there, and then won it again in 2007 and 2008. Uh, Other things where he's come in, you know, won some championships was the 24-hour off-road world endurance in 95, 99, and 2001. He won the AMA District 37 Enduro Series for four strokes in 95. The AMA District 37 Best of the West Series in 96. And the AMA District 37 Big Six Grand Prix Series in 95 and 96. And 2003 for four-stroke expert vet. And in 2000 for the open class. Uh, 
And he won the Best in the Desert Silver State Champion Series in the Open Pros in 95, 2000, 2004, and 5. And he took the Score Desert Series Class 22 Open Pro for 1997, 8, 9, and 2000. Took a break in 2001. Won it again from 2002 straight to 2008. If this guy's not a champion, I don't know what it, you know, what's the definition of champion? Somebody who never gives up and, and, you know, they don't call him El Maestro for nothing. Now, one of the funniest things that's ever happened to him, you might have heard this a few episodes ago, well, like 10 or 12 episodes ago now when I was at Willow Springs. I believe that's episode 22 or 23. And I was talking to somebody in the pits there about Johnny Campbell getting robbed down in Baja. If you go on some forums and you read about Baja or trail riding in Mexico or travel, you hear all sorts of horror stories. It's like the Mexican boogeyman. To be honest, you're just as likely to get robbed, you know, probably more likely to get robbed in like Chicago or Detroit or something as heading down south. So, you know, it's just like your favorite home, small hometown just tell everybody how crappy and crummy it is and hope nobody ever goes there. Have it all for yourself, right? But this really did happen to him. So he's pre-running the 1998 Baja 500 course, I believe. And basically, he was near Mike's Sky Ranch, which is this backcountry lodge, like out in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, from what I, everybody knows about it, from, from what I've heard, it's about 88 miles uh, east or something of Ensenada. And, um, so basically he's coming down the road. He saw something in the road and he couldn't tell exactly what it was. He, you know, thought it was a horse or something like that. Uh, and then there's a guy with a purple sock on his head and a gun pointed at him and he jumps out and then two more guys jump out. They take his fanny pack. They throw his bike over the side of an embankment and he said they wanted him to take his pants down. Now, he didn't know. He's like, you know, he's glad they only took his fanny pack because if they wanted anything else, he was willing to die for it, right? But my buddy told me that they stripped him naked and he had to walk all the way back to the ranch. He didn't really go into details in the stories that I read, but he did say he wanted to go, but he tried to go back and get his bike and they're like, nah, you're going to walk all the way down. So, you know, Funny, funny story from even from a champion uh, in '98 wasn't a terrible year for him, so didn't seem to hold it back too much. Seems like 2001 was the year that he kind of skipped some championships or didn't win championships, and I think we had all had a rough 2001 here in America. So mm, fair enough. But anyway, that's the makings of a champion, Johnny Campbell. Check him out; he's still going strong. His team is still kicking ass and taking names. And interesting news, after 17 consecutive Baja 1000 wins, he decided in 2014 to switch over to GNCC and focus on a new type of racing and a new challenge, which doesn't surprise me. The more you read about this guy, he he races one type, masters it, likes to move on. So yeah, he's doing GNCC right now. Uh, 17 wins in a row. I mean, JCR, what is going on? And all on Honda too. So super super dedicated and dedicated to his training as well he he mountain bikes and runs still and he's still uh basically like a rider for his team you know and sadly you know there's nothing more bittersweet than like getting the uh 
you know, graces from your friend to move on and, and getting the blessing of your friend to start your own race team and then only to lose them. But man, what an, what an impetus and, and what a great story. Makes me want to get out there. Makes me wish I still had my XR250 so I could go out and beat around on my Honda and do a little bit of a desert racing myself. All right. Uh, something that's big in the news recently that I didn't get to last episode or even the episode before that and uh, Scully, Scully helmets. We've all heard the AR one, uh, you know, supposedly they, you know, there, there was news a couple weeks ago when they ousted the, the founders and I was, you know, gladly willing to come back and report, you know, I didn't really think much of it then thought oh, i'm just gonna talk about it in a couple weeks when they say hey zero motorcycles did the same thing they ousted their founder and ceo nothing happened lots of ceos and founders get booted out of the company sometimes when you're the idea person you're not a good manager or whatever it is you know what i mean so i was you know whatever you know in a couple weeks i'll be glad to come back and report how companies do this sort of stuff all the time and, you know, with these with a new direction and a new board of directors or, or investors running the company, sometimes that's better. And, you know, here we go. Here's this new generation. Well, then shit hit the fan. And guess what? Scully shuttered the doors. And a good part of it is because the reputation's already been sunk. I mean, it's already been scuttled, right? There's no use trying to salvage a turd. And, you know, get investors back on board. They had already raised, I want to say, $15 million or something like that in like the first round of investments. And they were going back for like a second, um, I guess like a B tier or something like that. I'm not 100% sure. And it doesn't really matter at this point because we're not going to get them. So people have been tweeting and I've seen it all over. You know, it just blew up in the motorcycle sphere like someone took away, you know, toast. And here it is, you know. Someone took Scully helmets away from us. What's going to happen? Well, guess what? Somebody else will step in to fill the void. If there's a demand for it, if there's a market demand, guess what? There's always going to be someone creating stuff. OEMs are already doing it. There's probably some helmets out there right now that I just am forgetting that already have like eight HUD sort of capability. I'm not talking about the review, but you know, review is one company that probably is going to jump on this stuff. And I mentioned a while back that BMW is already working on their HUD stuff to interact with their CITS stuff. So, you know, it's all coming. We don't really have in a few years, it'll be integrated with your bike. So it'll make more sense. So give them a few years to develop it. People. It's not like you're, you can't ride without it. Now we've been doing it for a long time. So, you know, we'll make it, we'll make it a few more months without, or even a few more years without, uh, uh, VR helmet. From what I understood anyway, it didn't pass some of the safety standards in the, in the, for the European standards where, you can't have a little thing sticking up right in front of your eye. And some people don't wear their helmets extremely tight. And I could see that even in like a light impact going right into your eye. You know what I mean? So I don't I don't know how they were going to mitigate damage from that and how jacked up your face is going to be if your eye gets gouged out by a HUD, little HUD nub that popped up. So yeah, I wasn't too broken up about it. And at the same time, I was like, yeah, it's really not that big of a deal, right? But you know, they did end up closing. So I guess it kind of was a big deal if you were expecting a helmet. Now, the sad thing for the investors, I guess, is 
not much. The customers, the people that pre-ordered and stuff, wow, that's sad. But they only shipped about 50 units, and that's high. From some of the initial reports I read, it was like less than 20. I don't know which side is the exaggeration, if it was like 50 or less than 20, but let's just, you know, split the difference here and say 35, right, or something like that. So all I know is that they did not deliver on their promise, and now it doesn't really matter. So... Bye-bye, Scully. In other two-wheel news, sadly, uh, Price Point is going out of business, too. I've mentioned before that I'm a fan of all things two-wheeled, and that includes mountain biking, road biking, um, water biking like Robbie Madison does, anything that involves two wheels, getting out there and doing some bitching stuff. I'm all for it. Price Point was one of these places where you could go to for mountain bike and road bike and push any push bike accessories and get you know they had everything they had, it was basically like a gigantic it was like costco for biking stuff so i was a little bit late i forgot to go on last night or the night before when i got this email that it's our last day and everything must go here it is like we literally are closing down in one day so this morning i got on and it was like going to a halloween store three days after halloween like there was nothing there and just you know even the the categories were like empty there was like a couple cobwebs over in the corner that you could purchase but i ended up getting like a 60 dollar helmet one it was like the only style and color they had left they just literally probably had one helmet sitting on the shelf and i bought it it's like a 60 dollar helmet i got it for like 12 ish bucks they had inner tubes for sale for like 30 cents all the way up to like a dollar 40 and these are like you know 18 dollar inner tubes tires wheel sets all the stuff so really bummed to see another company go out of business just as bummed as i am every time i see somebody shutter their doors and speaking of which like i said in the intro of the show dan from daily bikers missing out on his shirts if he didn't get one while they were hanging around it's totally your loss and we gotta support these things while they're around people or they're not gonna be there when we actually need something or looking for something cheap and all of a sudden you go you know your favorite place one day and you're like hey where did my favorite place go and it's like well you just not enough people giving them business and uh you know motorcycle shops racetracks it's all the same baby let's support these things and keep them going all right that's my lecture well as you know, well, as I probably told you before, I listened to about 3,000 other motorcycle podcasts during the week, and just so that I keep current on current events and industry trends. And there's not really that many, but there are more and more and more coming on. So the further and further I go down the list, and with shows like last week's shows, they're probably just going to kick me off of iTunes and cancel my SoundCloud subscription and all that great stuff. So at any rate, I did want to tell you that I've been listening to to a lot of other shows and I don't feel so bad. Hell, even my son cannot sleep at night unless he listens to Dodgers games or sports radio. It's the funniest thing ever since, you know, he just likes to hear people talking. So as long as we got some something talking and then it just ended up that we got the local sports station. He's always here in the Dodger games. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I'll tell it here on air. Um, 
we he heard a game he's only four years old and so he heard a baseball game and they were talking about the pirates versus the giants and i he was so excited i could only imagine what was going on inside his head right but at any rate the thing i'm getting at is that i listened to some other motorcycle shows some of them are i mean i feel kind of good listening to him because i'm not doing that bad and then i thought i was started thinking about it and i'm listening to the show at night that comes on uh, around 11 o'clock at night and, you know, my son's already asleep by then, so it's just like a, you know, it doesn't really matter to him except that there's voices going, and it's just literally a guy filling time with two co-hosts and some call-ins, and it's the worst. I mean, you could probably sit in the back of a van drunk and not know anything about sports and do a better job at hosting a show about it. And it was so funny hearing him talk and just repeat the same thing for about... 15 minutes while he's looking for like a fact or some ideas or something. I don't even know what they were talking about. And it was about a draft. And I mean, maybe he was just searching for some ideas to talk about a draft because it's so boring and kind of like, you know, one of those intricate things that's not really exciting as far as like how the team's doing and this and that. So I don't know what it was, but it really made me feel good about the crappy job that I'm doing here because there's some motorcycle shows and even sports shows on the air doing shitty jobs. So just made me feel a little bit better about myself. And uh, I hope that I continue to bring you some takeaways and some news that you can actually use and uh, stuff like that. So in an effort to do that, I'm actually going to try and start doing a DIY or like a tech tip sort of thing um, in the next couple of shows. Not this show because, you know, why, why do something now when you can wait till next show to do it, right? That really took a turn. You know what? I I didn't even intend to talk about that at first. The whole reason for that last little blabbage there was to talk about other motorcycle shows and what I've been hearing on them. And I know a couple episodes ago, and even maybe last episode, I talked about things that I'd heard that were inaccurate. It just drives me nuts to hear that, and I'm going to try and not do that myself. But something that's really funny that I've heard now on like four motorcycle shows at least is this new BMW Titan concept. And it's so funny because I've seen it on like a bunch of print. It's almost like, I don't know, during certain times of year, you know, ICMA and AIM and and the motorcycle shows aren't for a few more months. Racing's kind of lagging. Everybody's just kind of like looking out there in the motorcycle sphere for what's happening right now, man. What's coming down the line? What's new? What's crazy? You know, what, what, what can we report? You know, they're, they're kind of doing what that late night host did on the sports show where they don't have time. They don't have anything to fill anything meaningful. So they're like grasping for any news. And everybody's been talking about this new BMW concept called the Titan. You should, you should look it up on Google just to see what it looks like. Cause it kind of looks like, uh, Batman's going out to the Bonneville salt flats, but what it turns out is it's not a BMW concept vehicle whatsoever. Uh, BMW concept vehicles include, you know, the 101 with Roland Sands. The R9T was a concept, and I actually saw that bike before it was the R9T, back when it was just a concept. I don't even remember what the hell they called it. It was just like a modular bike. I remember when that made it around the shows. These sort of things are concepts, you know what I mean? And their e-scooter concept that's now a reality and all that great stuff. This, These are concepts, all right? So the R9T Scrambler, that was a concept. And this thing, the Titan, 
it turns out that it's not even a BMW concept. It's the brainchild. It, it is a concept, but it's a concept from an industrial designer who's done other stuff as lo- uh, along the lines of you know other motorcycle concepts that he's done. They might even just be art. I don't, I'm not even 100% sure that they are real things now that you know computer programs are so good at making things look real photoshop is just uh one of the you know craziest things you know ever since its induction that you can you can take something and make it look three-dimensional but it's not real but this thing could be i i you know kind of highly doubt it is but it might be and at any rate brown seat included so for all you hipsters out there you may want to go check it out you know what would a land speeder be without a brown seat but anyway so it turns out that this concept bike that everyone's talking about isn't a true concept um hell i could fart on two wheels and call it a concept but i'm not gonna do that oh my god i just did that also nerds yes all you nerds out there walking dead daryl dixon figurine with the motorcycle was announced at san diego comic-con this week and uh i put a little post up there addressing the recycle santa cruz crew because i know that they had uh, norman Reedus on their show but uh mcfarlane comics and toys uh, todd mcfarlane he drew oh some of the best spider-mans ever i think he was the guy that you know basically shook up the comic book the basic marvel 1950s comic book uh, image and started his own comic company called image and i believe he did spawn and all that stuff if i if i remember correctly i haven't read comic books in like a bajillion years obviously since like the late 90s but uh yeah no mcfarlane was was one of the really bitching guys at the time and he's still pushing the boundaries here making some really sweet ass toys now there was already a norman reedus um you know walking dead figurine with him on that triumph chopper but now they've come out with the classified moto, you know, the Nighthawk bike that he rides currently. So that that new figurine and that that bike came out uh, was announced at Comic Con. Like I said, I believe they said it was coming out from McFarland Toys. Oh yeah. Also, something I just saw recently is the Harley and the Davidsons show. That's going to be on Discovery Channel. It's going to be a three-part series. So, according to The Hollywood Reporter, it's going to air on the Discovery Channel. Let me read you how they have this written. This is funny. So, quote, Harley and the Davidsons is set to premiere on Monday, September 5th, with its first two-hour installment. Two additional two-hour installments will air over the next two nights, Tuesday, September 6th, and Wednesday, September 7th, end quote. So basically what they're telling me here is that Harley and the Davidsons is going to premiere Monday night, September 5th. Now, there's going to be a two-hour installment of that. That'll be the first one. Now, on September 7th will be the last one, and in the middle there will be the middle one, and they will all be two hours. That's basically what it's telling me. That's the, the weirdest way to say that something's going to run from Monday to Wednesday, September 5th, 7th. But anyway, it doesn't give a time, but it does have uh, Sean Scully playing the role of Walt Jr. Are they, I think they're messing up 
you know, they're mixing Breaking Bad with this. I don't know if there was a Walt Jr., was there? I remember a William Harley and Arthur Davidson, but maybe there was a Walter Davidson or Walter Harley. I don't know. At any rate, check it out. The the um, The preview looks pretty cool. Of course, it looks action-packed. And, of course, um, I'm going to say it looks really Hollywooded up. And, of course, you can't do that nowadays. I'm going to say, of course, at least three more times, so don't worry. So, of course, you can't do that these days. Everybody wants a little bit of glitz and glam because otherwise stuff is just boring as all hell. Uh, Watching the Wright brothers in their barn, of course, would have been silly to watch. You know, watching the actual flight and feeling all that great watching them tinker and figure crap out Mm -mm, nobody wants to see so of course i guarantee there's going to be a love interest a a doubting of character i forget what they call that like a character character conflict there's going to be like a man versus man man versus machine conflict there's going to be all your typical hollywood crap in here but it does look like it's going to be a pretty good you know let's call it documentary. It's not going to be like the Sons of Anarchy documentary. It'll be a little bit more based on reality, of course, but it'll have a nice dose of Hollywood mixed in there with it. So look for that to premiere September 5th with another one that's two hours ending September 6th. All right, I, I don't need to put you through that again. Let's just say that it premieres the 5th and it goes to the 7th. All right, something else that's shaking headlines all across the United States is the Honda CBR250RR. I don't know why, because it's not going to be sold here, apparently. Yes, it premiered in Thailand, I believe. No, I saw it on the Indian paper. That's right. And they were talking about it uh, premiering in Bangladesh, which is where it's going to be sold initially. It may make its way over to Europe at some point, but it probably won't be coming over to the States, I'm guessing. I love the mention that Honda was the last to come to the table with an RR, given that KTM has the RC390 and Kawasaki has a Ninja 250. And did they forget that Honda has a CBR250R, right? Just not the RR? I mean, I don't really get... I didn't see any specs on it, and it was like a super preliminary shot. I haven't looked at it since then because I saw that it wasn't going to be sold here. So I really had no interest in it. But, hey, way to shake up the headlines, Honda, with something new. And, frankly, it is pretty beautiful. So good on you. In other news... Can-Am making a big splash, in my opinion. They're releasing an electric spider. Does that make sense? So BRP, or Bombardier Recreational Products, uh, I believe is what they're known as, they sunk $8.6 bucks into basically financing over the past five years to develop this Can-Am Spider, along with um, Sherbrooke University. And I found this story on Car Scoops initially, where they have a, you know involvement with the Automotive Partnership of Canada, Natural Sciences Engineering Research Council of Canada, uh, Cana- uh, Canadian Foundation for Innovation, all this, all this stuff, right? So it's dubbed the 
you know, zero emission Can-Am Spider, the EVS 29, and is right now it's in concept form, but they're saying that it's going to get 105 miles of range, I believe. It's got a 16 kilowatt hour battery pack. They s- tested it, apparently, I'm, I'm guessing, because it's got some ratings here, that it's rated at 50 kilowatts, which is basically like 67, 60, yeah, 66, 67 horsepower, and about 150 foot-pounds of torque approximately 105 miles on a single charge and you know just one more step toward you know i guess getting electric stuff out there but not just for motorcycles anymore now can am is working on it they're sinking a lot of dough into it hopefully a lot more motorcycle companies can benefit from this but the 105 mile thing i'm guessing is because you got extra battery storage potential on one of these things where on a bike you're still way more compact so if you like spiders and you don't think uh, only turd butts ride them maybe if you can't afford well i don't know they have pricing or anything on it yet anyways but you know keep your eyes peeled i guess is what i should say and just leave it at that so while i was over at car scoops i took a look at the one of the ugliest bikes i've ever seen next to the yamaha route and yes, it is called, well, the headline says, here's a look on how Harley Davidson's might look in the future. And what I'm saying is, I hope to hell they do not look anything like this in the future. This bike is fucking terrible looking. And it's from the company Jever, or Jever, oh, I don't know. They It says they're known for organizing and sponsoring various Harley Davidson themed events. And I've never heard of them before, so... I don't know where they sponsor these events, but dude, this thing looks terrible. Just go to carscoops.com and look up Harley Concept or something like that. Or just look up Jever, J-E-V-E-R. Oh my God, it's so ugly. It's like riding a green piece of crap. And they, they took everything cool about a Harley and sterilized it down. It's like looking at a Honda Fury, how it looks like a really super sterilized a custom chopper well that's what they did with this thing they even took like the tread off the tires and like made everything smooth looking oh it's disgusting it looks like a toy i can't stand to look at it anymore i'm, I'm gonna go barf i'm gonna put some music on for you guys while i do so Actually, while I was just throwing up in my trash can, I was thinking about how the word jever almost sounds like heaver or something you would maybe do while you're barfing. I jevered all over that bike. (laughs) I'm going to start using that for myself. I jevered all over my bike. Hey, speaking of my bikes and jevering all over them, uh, I did want to also talk about, like I said before, some DIY stuff. I I probably won't get into it this time, but... There's some great stuff that I talked with on the Stock is for Squares podcast with those guys that didn't quite make it to the air, and I will reveal some of it here, and that is my bike, my top secret bike that's in development right now. Uh, I'm not going to call it the Jever, but I will tell you it is the B1 Racer, and it's uh, the B1R. It's like a slightly crappier concept idea than like the R9T. 
but the B1S is the street version, and the B1R is the race version. And uh, I'll reveal those to you at a later date because I'm still they're still kind of in concept form right now. So, yes. All right, I'm going to count backwards from three, and the music's going to stop. Three, two, one. See how great that is? I'm like an audio hypnotist. So, wow. Or I'm a good editor, one of the two. So, anyway, there's something else that was bugging me this week. And, you know, I feel like I'm part of the moto motosphere and part of the moto community here. And I don't know why I'm getting left out of all this stuff. I, here, well, here's my example. There's there's an email that's been circulating among the other motorcycle podcasts and the ones that at least put out on a regular basis. And I'm afraid that I wasn't in on that loop. Well, here's an example of it right here. This is from the boys over at the Wheel Nerds. Take a listen to this clip. A really interesting listener email. So Shasta wrote, Hi there. Love your podcast. Just wanted to share this advert from a local dealer here in Texas. I am a new motorcyclist. Spent a year on the back of my future Scottish Trophy husband's BMW <laughs> K1200 and got my license four months ago. Have been shopping around for a new bike and received this promotional ad from the dealer. It is 2016 and are these events only happening here in Texas or everywhere? As a female cyclist and mother of two girls, I find this offensive and struggle to see how this promotes motorcycling amongst women riders. Look forward to hearing your opinion. Blah, 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 blah. So that was Shasta. Uh, or Shasta, I think is how you pronounce it. I'm not 100% sure, but okay. Well, you know, nothing big about that. The person's calling in asking for some advice, you know, wondering should they be concerned in this day and age of feminism and anti-sexism and all this great stuff and women participation ship in motorcycling on the rise if you believe last November's MIC stats and all that great stuff. Okay, right? Okay, it's cool. Makes sense. Makes sense. We'll listen to this email from Motorcycles and Misfits at the Recycle Garage in Santa Cruz. Oh, I have an uh, email from Shasta. Yeah, and then you're going to weigh your opinion afterwards. Yeah, yeah, okay. So the title of it is Bikini Bike Wash in 2016. Hi there. Love your podcast. Have almost forgiven you for encouraging me to <laughs> see a story worth living. We're <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. Uh, just Who wanted to share that. Did oh, you get your God. money back? I didn't know. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to share this it. advert yeah. from a local dealer here in Texas. I am a new motorcyclist, spent a year on the back of my future Scottish trophy husband's BMW K1200. Wow, sick and, bike. That's cool. And got my license a month ago. Um, or months ago. Uh, have been shopping around for a new bike and received this promotional ad from the dealer. It's, it is 2016 and these events are only happening here in Texas or are they nationwide? As a female cyclist and mother of two girls, I find this offensive and struggle to see how this promotes motorcycling among women riders. Look to look forward to hearing your opinion. So So I'll give you my opinion, and that was Kat reading that email by the way. Um my opinion is that 
Well, we'll have to wait and see in six weeks when the next Cafe Racer podcast comes out, if they got it too. And Cleveland Moto hasn't released one recently unless there's a problem with their RSS feed or their batch processing stuff. So, you know, there's a couple more I could wait on to see if they got this same email. But mm, I'm kind of feeling left out a little bit is what I'm feeling. So we're going to go ahead here and we're going to open up my email. Literally open up it's like opening a barn door so let's see dear creative your hosting plan is due hmm. bill bill oh here's one uh somebody's following me on tumblr hmm. here's one i i sent myself a message <laughs> i was pretty funny to myself hmm the built well helmet release. Gosh. SoundCloud notification. Some spammer likes your track. GoDaddy. Your July account summary. Wow. So there's really not a whole lot for me to look at here. I guess the takeaway from this is do me a solid. There's only one listener, and his name is Paul. And he corresponds with me on a regular basis, gives me show ideas, leaves pretty much in taglines, you know, show closers and all that great stuff. Be like Paul, man. Email my show. Send me that email. Will somebody just like listen to this and type it out word for word and just send it to me? Just so that I, it doesn't have to be from that Shasta or Shasta. I just want that. I want that email to be in my inbox when I open it tomorrow morning. So. Yeah, do me a solid, bro. Write me an email. I'm getting sad over here, getting left out of the loops. I ride and shit. Hell, I even work with motorcycles every day, man. Come on, I'm I'm a biker that has opinions. I have a little girl. <laughs> now I'm going to have a big cry and a, a wank in the closet. <laughs> so, hey, there is something to say about that. And it is 2016, you know, the days of burning the bras are over. Um, you can be a strong woman and still wash a bike in a bikini. Um, you can also be, you know, someone's property, apparently, in this day and age still. So it doesn't matter. Uh, those bikini biker build-off washer things, you know, if you want to wash a bike in your bikini, go for it. I don't care if you're a guy or a girl, you know, out there in your Speedo or out there in your little thong. Go for it. If you're proud of your body, it don't matter how big you are, how small you are, um, as long as you get the bikes clean, right? That's what you're doing it for. You're doing it to raise money. So if you meet your goals, uh, I don't see a problem with it. Do you? Uh, this reminded me of something, and I think the real problem is telling a woman what she can and can't do, right? Because, hell, just last weekend, we celebrated the 100th or, you know, the centennial ride of the sisters ride, the Henderson sisters riding across the country by themselves, you know? And, you know, I think back in the day, women just did what they wanted to do. And I have this feeling that, like, it wasn't until women started working a lot, like in the, I want to say, late 60s, early 70s, and women entered the workforce and, like, the I Am Woman Hear Me Roar, like, this whole movement really started, that we really started to see these things, gender equality, maybe brought to light. I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing it, I, you know, it probably did exist before that, but my grandma was like Rosie the Riveter, uh, you know, back in World War II. Women were like, 
working on farms and do things they were i would say that they were like equal if not runners of you know households businesses there's there's always been these women that have just gone out and, and done stuff and i was listening to there's a podcast a history podcast i love listening to called the dollop and they had the story about this woman pitcher and she struck out Babe Ruth and a couple other guys. And then it wasn't until 1952 that the MLB banned women. So before that, there wasn't even like a separate women's league. Nowadays, we have like different women's leagues for everything. So I kind of feel like right there in mid-century, did we take a step back? I mean, was it a big deal for women to do stuff, you know, if they wanted to? The sisters ride, the sisters totally did it by themselves cross country you know what i mean they probably i'm not saying they had zero help but you know that's something like we're woo woo, we're blowing whistles and tooting horns and to them they're just like hey i just want to ride across the country you know what i mean and back then women used to do all sorts of cool stuff you know what i mean i i just feel like our i feel like in a way we, we this thing about women doing their own thing and being like a part of a culture that is like man dominated really was a non-issue back in the day women just did it did what they had to do and nowadays like people tend to make big deals out of it so i don't know i i do it did make me feel like the more i learn about the mid century the more i feel like we kind of made something out of nothing and then that made <laughs> these gender biases and all these things. Maybe it just brought it to light, but at at any rate, you know, women have been doing what they've been doing for a long time, and that is keeping men in line <laughs> and making decisions, you know, behind the scenes. Hell, there's been tribes in ancient Egypt where women were queens, so don't tell me that, like, women haven't been in charge of their own uh, destiny and all this stuff. I know they have, and I read about women doing crazy shit all the time, like Amelia Earhart and stuff like that. So I feel like we kind of stepped back, or at least we like put on this little hood of like uh, naivete, saying, "Hey, man, women, we have all these like leagues for women now, when women are separated from men in certain sports and whatnot." That's bullshit, man. And hey, if you want to read something really good. Go check out Forbes. Uh, Shayna Texter was just in that. Speaking of a woman that races with a man, I really, you know, I dig the Shayna Texters of the world, the Nicole Chezes or Nicole Mises of the world, the Shalina Moretas of the world, you know, the Ashley Felix and the Elena Myerses and all this stuff. I just, I dig girls that race right alongside guys. That's why I love motorcycle racing, except for like, some you know some smaller series might have like a women's division or like a women's league or something but man the the big leagues they don't discriminate like other sports do there's no women's nba or women's nhl or you know the lingerie league for indoor football none of that shit happens in premier motorcycle racing man it's men and women bar to bar going toe to toe and i love it so I think the motorcycle community is one place where the women are equal. And uh, this bikini bullshit, I don't know. If you want to get in a bikini and scrub a bike, do it. Hell, that's how I wash my bike. So, I mean, I don't see what the big deal is. But at any rate, that's my two cents on that. Send me an email, please. Send me that email, Shasta. Baby, come back to me.
as you heard there, my SR250 running real good. That carb clean that I did on it, working out just great. Um, at any rate, there's another carb cleaning thing coming up here soon in the LA area. If you live up around here, uh, if you're familiar with the Cretans, I believe they put on a lot of cool stuff. It's not just the Cretans. What am I talking about? I'm just talking shit now, but there is a BYOC, bring your own carb. And they do this every once in a while. They show you different aspects of cleaning your carb, tuning your carb, rejetting your carb, cleaning. This particular time is going to be cleaning your jet. So I believe it's going down August 13th. Check our Facebook page for details. We just posted up a lot of cool events that are coming out. So keep your eyes on that. Please, if you're in the area, join us this Saturday for the Veterans Motorcycle Charity Ride. We want to go see those guys send off 20 vets out on the ride of their life to Sturgis. And apparently... I was looking at details from last year. I want you to go read the story. I don't want to tell you any more than this, but it's it's pretty much more than double of what went on the ride last year. So it's good to see, you know, veterans by the scores now getting a chance to do this wonderful ride, life-changing ride, spend some time with fellow vets and do all that great stuff. So, you know, that's that's going to kick off this Saturday, which means Sturgis is coming up, people. Do you remember what I talked about on my very first show, I believe it was my very first show I talked about Sturgis had just happened. So that means I'm coming up on a birthday here. I'm going to turn one. Well, the show is going to turn one. I'm going to turn 301, if you can believe that. I'm fucking old. You know, being a three foot three little troglodyte cover, covered in orange hair really sucks because I am that old. I've broken more bones than Evil Knievel, but I can never take credit for it because then people would realize, hey, here's this weird little like 300 or 100 year old. How, how old am I? I forget how old I just said I was. But at any rate, that's uh, just telling you that I can't remember. That's how old I am. But yeah, there's some stuff I want to mention. <laughs> what? What am I even doing talking about that? Why am I revealing what I look like on the show? I'm supposed to keep it anonymous. I don't want to get captured. So, hey, let me do something real here. Let me give you a couple takeaways before the show is over. And you're like, what the fuck did I just waste another hour for? This asshole promised me it would be better. Um, a couple things happening in the area. And I promise I will branch out to other parts of the world soon. And um, so what's happening this month, uh, July 30th, the Veterans Charity Ride is happening. The Grand Send-Off's happening at Sunland Boulevard at the, um, I believe it is the Silmar or Sun Valley uh, Firehouse. And you know what? There's a crazy fire going on over there. Uh, just a couple months ago, there was one over on the east side of the uh, valley, San Gabriel Valley. Now there's one on the west side. And y'all, it's been tearing up the mountains. I just, I went up there last weekend and drove through, you know, where the fire was in Azusa Canyon, one of my favorite roads to ride my bike up, a great road. And there's an off-highway vehicle area over there too. It's really cool. And on the west side too, I love going up the two, the freeway and uh, Angeles Crest of the Newcombs. And God, it's just this fire, these fires 
you know, attacking this poor mountain range. And the station fire burned back in 2009, right in the center and just tore up everything in between. So this, this fire, this mountain range should be good to go for a little while. There should be nothing to burn here, but California is dry people. So at any rate, this uh, veterans charity ride is going to be over on that West side in Sunland, which is where some of the evacuations were happening Earlier in the week, last, you know, I think on Friday is when it started. So, I'm, you know, it's been a week. I'm sure it's burned away from the area. <clears throat> so just they would notify you if it wasn't going on. So don't uh, be afraid to go up there and check it out. Also, on July 30th, uh, Chaparral Motorsports in San Bernardino, there's a motor vlogger meetup. Oh, man, that would have been great to go to. But I can't be in two places at once and have friends in town. God dang it. Maybe I can clone myself because I re- I forgot about that one I was going to go to. Uh, August 13th, I already mentioned the Bring Your Own Carb. I believe this is like a s- ongoing series of things that they are teaching you about your carbs. Check it out. Just go on Facebook. Look up BYOC. Look up the Cretans maybe. Look up... Um, stuff happening in Los Angeles. You'll find it. You will find it. And if you're not in this area and you're into motorcycles, check out the Los Angeles uh, two-wheel, what is it? The two-wheel social media page. That'll keep you like, a lot of people post in that. So check that out. Um, also on the 13th, if you're not going to rebuild your carb, the ramming speed, vintage and classic and small bike track day. It's only a hundred dollars per rider. You better bet your booty. If I'm not cleaning my carb, I'm going to be out there riding around on my old small vintage bike. So if you got a vintage bike or a small bike, perfect time to get on track, learn what it's all about. You know, you don't have to go to a track day where everybody's like on an R1 and R6 or Jixer and people are just blowing by you being total squids. You can't, well, I guess not squids if they're at a track, right? Because they're fully suited up and everything, but... This is for anybody on an old vintage bike that, you know, you're pressing the limits of technology here and um, doing about an eighth of the pace of probably somebody on like a Jixer 1000. So you don't have to worry about all those guys blowing by you and being jerkwads. Take out your small bike, your vintage bike. Um, A lot of people are fast on these things. So it's your own pace. There's like, it's really cool. Just check it out. It's called the Ram... Ramming Speed Vintage Classic Small Bike Track Day. If I can get my teleporter done in time, I'll probably go to the carb clinic and then transport out there uh, to the track day. If they have like a morning session, I'll probably do that, uh, figure out what's wrong, then transport myself back to the carb clinic, clean it up, transport back out and see if there's some really some HP gains, you know what I mean? Or if like some performance gains or whatever. So yeah, I wish there was two of me with two of the same bike and uh, two of the same idiotic face and brain. And I could do these things, you know, that would make the 30th really convenient for me too. So, all right. So get out there, check these out. Last thing, this is a real takeaway from the show is there have been reports of booby traps. Now I'm not sure, you know, I saw this from uh, Dig- biker digital and the AMA has been reporting it and it's all across well, there was like New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, New Hampshire, something like that. There was there was a couple random states, so it didn't seem like people were doing it, um, like a particular groups doing it or anything like that, or they're doing it to target 
anything in particular. It just sounded like a bunch of dumb kids um, maybe out there doing stuff. So just be aware. And there's plenty of things, people that you can notify. Oh, I'm sorry. I misspoke. It was not biker digital. It was uh, ultimate motorcycling. And yeah, the booby traps have been in Idaho, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, um, Arizona, Colorado, and New Mexico in recent years, I guess not, not as lately as some of these other ones, but it's been stuff like barbed wire stretched across a trail, uh, you know, roughly higher than like a, a small animals can be going through. So it's like aiming for like your neck. If you're sitting down on a bike, they said around four feet off the ground. So chest, neck, you know, depends on your height and, and, uh, how you're riding, but dude, that could be some serious stuff. And even, you know, that could, if you're mountain biking or riding a horse and you don't see this stuff, I mean, cause they're putting it on all sorts of trails and it could even interfere with wildlife. If you got like a deer running through there or larger elk or something like that, a lot of time wildlife uses trails. It's easier for them than walking through big, thick brush and everything. So it affects them too. So at any rate, yeah, call the, um, Local authorities call any park rangers in the area where you're at. You can even contact the AMA. I think they have like something set up where you can uh, email them. Let me let me check the details for you and tell you who you can contact. Okay, so yeah, if you come across any of these booby traps, there's been you know there's been spikes on the road. There's been barbed wire stretched across the road. There's been boards with tacks in them or you know stuff that looks like wrapped in barbed wire there have been like uh rebar looking spikes in the ground big like punji spikes not just uh little spiky you know i'm not talking little nail size spikes there's some rather big rebar size spikes that people have filed down to put in the ground so i mean we're talking some big shit we're trying to fuck people up and for what i don't know but at any rate I don't know if it's because people don't want to share the trails with cyclists, be it motorcycles or bicycles, or if people are just playing a prank. And like I said, it's so spread out that it, you know, I don't think it's one particular group. I think it's just, you know, when you have idiots that live everywhere, they act like idiots. So you're just seeing this is idiots for you. But anyway, you know, contact the local law enforcement authority, contact the local uh, park or recreation for that particular trail system that you're on. And also send an email to grassroots at ama-cycle.org. That's grassroots at ama-cycle.org about the incident so that other motorcyclists can be alerted. Um, And then you can sign up for AMA action alerts uh, at American Motorcyclist. All righty. Well, that does it. That has been an hour wasted with Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast. I hope this week was entertaining for you. And uh, I'm going to stick to PCP from now on. And remember, keep those leathers rushing through the heathers. Chicken chow mein, baby. Hey, Creative Riding would like to thank the following people and say apologies to them as well. Mark DeGalli and Dan Michael. From Daily Bikers and DeGallery.com. Thanks, artists. And we're sorry for mentioning you on the show. Josette from Goodbye Migraine. Thank you. We're sorry. Johnny J and the Flatfoot Flugies. We are sorry. Veterans Charity Ride to Sturgis. We are sorry. And we will see you. If you go out there this weekend, you see a guy with a camera and a hat on. That's me. 
Little Johnny, Johnny Campbell, we are sorry. Honda Motor Co., we are sorry. The 1800s, we're sorry. The Holmeller and Wolfmeister uh, motorcycle, uh, the De Dion trike, and the um, whatever else we said. Kid, you're killing me. Hildebrand and Wolfmuller, we're sorry. Motocross, we are sorry. Auto racing, we're sorry. Baja 500, we're sorry. Baja 1000, we're sorry. Scully helmets, we're sorry. Price point, we're sorry. BMW Titan, we're sorry. Yeah, we're sorry that you're just a concept. McFarland Toys and the Daryl Dixon replica that's going to be issued this fall. We are sorry. Harley and the Davisons, we're sorry. Honda CBR250RR, we are sorry. Can-Am, we're sorry. Yeah, we're sorry, Can-Am. We're sorry to the B1S and B1R concept vehicle coming out soon to a a feeling near you. I meant to a garage near you. Wheel nerds, we're sorry. And Motorcycles and Misfits at the Recycle Garage in Santa Cruz, we are sorry. Well, that's it for our show this week, folks. We've hoped you've had a good time. And until next time... Grab a beer and kick it in gear. That's right. We out. Uh, And then, yeah, and then one time I did this fish cracker. Oh, man. Better sight where this is from. <coughs> Pardon me. They fucking A, dude. Can I blow this up? The races, the races were sanctionized, sanctionized, motherfucker. What do you think about that shit? <laughs> I know it's terrible. It's terrible, right? Automobiles began to gain a uh, popularity Popularly, really? It just looks... Bitten? I put it looks bitten? The hell? Motocross trials and scrambles all grew in popular... <clears throat> all grew in popularity over the next couple decades and partici- participation all throughout Europe until... <coughs> oh my god! I'm dying! So say that again. Uh, Dead mouse, but it's not. Okay. <laughs>